Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Welcome back to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person or people making positive change in our community. This time, special guest, Rodney Atkins and Rose Falcon. But first, for more information about the Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View, Tennessee. While you're there, please subscribe. It is totally free to you for now. Welcome to our People in the News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking to Rodney and Rose. Rose Falcon is the daughter of singer, songwriter, guitarist, producer, Billy Falcon and Myla Falcon. Her early years were spent in a studio apartment in New York City, though the family moved to New Jersey when she was old enough to attend school. Her mother was diagnosed with cancer in 1987 and died two years later, but after which she was raised by her father, with whom she traveled around the country as part of his music career. They eventually settled in Nashville. Billy Falcon encouraged his daughter to sing, and when she asked, he began to collaborate with her on her songwriting. She was signed by Columbia Records and released her debut album, Rose Falcon, in March 2003, when she was 19. Rodney Allen Atkins, born in Knoxville, Tennessee, on March 28, 1969, racked up a series of country chart toppers starting in 2006 with If You're Going Through Hell Before the Devil Even Knows, a song that helped him snag top new male vocalists from the Academy of Country Music. Between 2006 and 2008, he racked up five number one country hits, highlighted by the seminal smash Watching You. I've actually met their buckaroo. Together, they are Rod and Rose. CountrySwag.com said on their first EP as a duo, Rod and Rose reveal a collection of heartfelt tracks that are sure to melt even the coldest of hearts. Their connection is palpable through their harmonies, and if they ain't love, we don't know what is. But most importantly, they are Scout and Writer's Mommy and Daddy. We are truly blessed to have them today on the MCV. And I'm, if I'm nice, they're going to sing for us later. Rose and Rod, Rod and Rose, I'm thrilled to have you on the MCV today. How are you holding up with Christmas for the boys? Only five days, 120 hours away. Five days. Uh, it's like four days, isn't it? We're having fun, man. <laughs> We're having fun, but Rodney alerted me last night that Christmas is on Monday, and I had no idea <laughs> because I just don't yeah. feel like Christmas should be on a Monday. I feel like it's like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday holiday. You it know what I mean? It would be best. Yeah, it would be best. Right? Absolutely. Like, let's start a movement to move Christmas. <laughs> yeah, so we got some wrapping that's going to happen pretty quick. And she said, we got next week. <laughs> we got time. I said, no, we don't. Yeah, I had no idea. And um, we've got a master rapper or a gangster rapper <laughs> over here because <laughs> he used to work at JCPenney and his job was gift wrapping. But that was one of my jobs. Yeah. I, I cleaned the bathrooms to vacuum the floor. Yeah, he's super meticulous, though. So it takes him like 30 minutes on one present. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, all right. All right. I can't complain about that. All right. I'm sure the Christmas under the tree is beautiful. Okay. Do you, do you, I looked you guys up. Do you, do you both still support um, Mary Kay Ash Charitable Foundation and the Max Love Project, uh, Women and Kids Cancer, or are there more? I think our main focus is Holston Home. Um, Rodney's adopted. So it's, want to tell it's the children's home yeah. it's, it's a children's home i was adopted from when i was born and i was it's called surrendered to the state by my birth mom um 
and the gentleman that took me in was named Charles Hutchins and children's home is Holston home for children, Holston Methodist home for children in Greenville, Tennessee. So I was born in Knoxville. Then I went to the orphanage children's home. And then I was ultimately adopted. I was in foster care there and then adopted from Holston home. And it's an amazing, beautiful, wonderful place in Greenville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And especially this time of year, folks want to find a place to, to, to reach out and help out some amazing, beautiful, young superstar kids that are trying to figure out this world on their own. Um, Holston home is a great place. Holstonhome.org. Nice. Okay. So Rodney, you're, you're quoted as saying I was a sickly baby. And after two sets of adoptive parents took me home, they returned me to the orphanage because of a serious respiratory infection. But as they say, the third time's a charm because my mom and dad adopted me and took me into their home where I was raised in a family full of love. Those first two sound rough. Uh, you had a respiratory issue, so it's kind of a miracle you became a singer, right? It, it is for sure. Um, actually, a few years ago, so when I got, I signed my record deal um, and started to release music, the Going Through Hell record, actually, they asked me to go to Vandy Voice Center um, and get my throat checked out because they were going to insure my throat before they invested money you know uh-huh and uh the doc looked down my throat with the camera and stuff and uh he said have you had some some throat issues is there is what's what's going on with you and i'm like uh nothing that i know of he said technically you shouldn't be singing there's a lot of scar tissue down there a lot it doesn't make sense really for you to be singing um and lo and behold, that, that's where it's the good Lord just driving this. Um, I've never really had throat problems on the road through all these years. Um, but he's has said it's because of all that callous throat in there. <laughs> ah. Makes me talk like this half the time. <laughs> Rose, uh, your growing up was no cushy celebrity star-studded picnic either, right? right? Uh, you're an only child like me and no mom. Right. Like I had no dad after, for me, age six. How old were you when she died and, and how did you stay so grounded? Yeah, um, to be honest with you, I, I was four years old and my dad was, you know, incredibly loving and I had a really great family. We lived with my grandparents, but it's kind of when you're that young, when something like that happens, it's, it's all you know. And one thing that I found is that I just really didn't want people to feel sorry for me. And people did, you know, naturally, because they're like, it's a four-year-old girl getting raised by her dad. And so I always like kind of put on this smiley thing and it became kind of a defense mechanism. But, um, you know, as I get older, I, I just learned to be comfortable in my skin and I don't try as hard. And if you're not okay, that's okay. You know, but Mm -hmm. it just, like I said, it's just all I've ever known was me and my dad. And he was my best friend as I was growing up and stuff. So I don't look at it as like this terrible life. Now being a mom, that's when I find it really difficult is because I'm like, I have no reference for this. Like, just no idea being a wife being a mom like keeping a house i'm a songwriter and i feel like a lot of times that's all i'm good at (laughs) and so i'm fortunate right now i live in a really great community and i 
I'm a homeschool. I'm, I'm a songwriter, but I also am a homeschool mom. And so I'm able to connect with other women who are doing the same thing that I am. And gosh, if I didn't have them, I would be lost. Oh, that's good. A support group. Yeah. And you know, you have such a great bubbly personality. I'm sure the kids are just thrilled that you are a homeschool mom. Um, so yeah. authenticity in art. If you two weren't real, we music fans would know it pretty quick. You know, if Taylor hadn't broken up with those guys for real, or if Cody Johnson <laughs> didn't really ride those rodeos like Chris Ledoux, we'd figure it out. You know, um, rhymes with heart or hearth, right? He didn't. So your songs are stories. Rose, you said you write first and the singing second. Tell us about your process. Yo, mama. Her process is amazing because she, like, I write songs when I need songs. That's a few times a year, probably. And I'll save up my ideas. And she's my first call to help me figure it out. But she writes at least three days a week, sometimes more. And it's with all kinds of different artists. And she goes in the room. If you could hear the, the, the scope of the songs that she writes from the stuff with me to uh, male, female, young, new duo to, uh, I don't know, 30 year old country ball cap <laughs> dude. Just, it doesn't matter. It's all over the place. And she goes in the room and listens and helps people get there. Not just, not write cl cliches and make them rhyme and do it in three minutes and out the door. It's that it's a gift. It's, it's patience and pushing the ball down the field and getting stuff done. I don't know how she does that. I'm answering your question. But it's all right. So, so Rose, you tell us about Rodney <laughs> yeah, then. How I'll does he do? I'll tell you about Rodney. So I found, you know, for people who don't know the songwriting process, when you're co-writing, it kind of goes like this. You go in, you show up at 11 o'clock, you're pretty much done by 3 p.m. And you usually have a completed really? song. Really? Well, three or five, <laughs> three to five. But, with, but Rodney is such a hard worker and, and so intricate with his writing and his songs that he likes to spend often like several writing appointments on the same song. And like, Sometimes people will take it as because they're used to it coming so easy, they'll take it as like, oh, this isn't going well, you know, but you can't, you got to hang in there. And that's what I've learned. I've learned so much from him because the songs that you end up with when you write with Rodney are going to be far better than the songs you write in, you know, a couple of hours. Well, um, and we've written some songs for his new record that, I'm super proud of and uh we um, kind of have come to a new place in our writing together and I realized that like he comes up with these ideas like he could tell you like oh I came up with an idea called well for example the song that we are going to play later called Mary Had a Little Lamb um Rodney came to me with that idea and I was like Rodney like you know that's already a it's already a song right it's pretty popular <laughs> But then like he turned it and he was like, it's about Jesus, you know? And I'm like, oh, you just blow my mind. Like he does it all the time. He'll tell me a title. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And then he tells me <laughs> the twist on it. His brain just works different. He's, he's gifted in that. Regard. Well, there it is. Cause Rodney, you said, I'm a song mechanic. I just love working on songs. You told the Opry, I believe in these songs and they are epic. Gotta believe to be authentic. So you believe them. 
the Opry, that must have been a, a thrill of a lifetime. Was it standing in the circle? Oh, yeah, the Opry's a trip, man. It's uh, It'll get you when you, you're good. You know, you're all in check. <clears throat> Here we go. And you walk out there, and then you hit that spot. And it, it the history of that place and what it represents and who's been there, who's been through there, what it represents, it truly is the they call it the mother church i finally figured out because the spirit of country music is there and that's what you're taking with you when you go out on the road you're playing all across the country around the world it's the spirit that is in that building um every time the opry happens it doesn't matter if it's a tuesday night or friday or saturday it's an incredible experience wow uh rose How'd you get the light bulb moment to, to actually collaborate with Rod? Cause you didn't do it right out of the gate. And so the Rod and Rose duet, uh, how'd you, how'd you do it? Um, so during COVID we had done, like, we always sang together. I sang a couple songs with him on his record. One was figure out you, which was pretty popular. And then during COVID they asked us to like sing, figure out you for some, what was it called? Unite. It was, oh like, yeah a YouTube program and we like we had a baby at the time and a toddler and we're alone we don't have childcare and it was just a mess but we worked really hard to get this video for Unite and it was so strange because something happened and this is like how God works you think like you know what you want but it ends up being better than what you wanted but we made this video we invested a lot of time and somehow it was a 24 hour like video thon and ours our spot got moved and ours aired at like three in the morning or something. <laughs> and I was like, so disappointed. But as it turns out, the video we posted on Facebook, it went viral because it was us and I'm holding Scouty. He's got Scouty. And I'm feeding Scouty while we're singing. It's fun. And so Mike Curve actually, who owns Rodney's record label, my publisher, called and asked us if we would do a project together and so i think that that request had to come from somebody else you know higher up because of course we want to do it we love being together we love collaborating but we're not just trying to like you know do stuff to feed our egos or just yeah, think yeah. it's a good time like we not donnie and marie people, right right we want to know people want to hear it and it seemed that there was like a demand for it so we thought it would be the right thing to do yeah rodney rodney is that how you remember it uh, absolutely yeah, yeah. Her, her, the video that video's out there of her just holding scout and i'm just playing the guitar singing that song and um it seems like some winded so a good friend of our gideon klein is an amazing musician he plays on a lot of the records plays on the road with us um and he saw the video and said, man, I got this little string ensemble me and my wife are doing, could we add some strings to that? So the video's out there available, I guess YouTube or Facebook, of her holding the baby, I'm playing the guitar, we're singing, and they come in playing a string section. Oh, wow. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that, that really kind of kicked it into gear. Mike has loved Mike Curb has loved stuff that Rose is saying on. He's obviously a fan of hers. Um, and yeah, he called and said, you guys should do a project, not just do a duet. You guys should do a project together. Name it something completely different than your solo stuff. Rod and Rose. That's what happened. 
So Mike Curb signed you in 1996 to Curb Records. Next year, that's 28 years, if my math is right. Uh, was he a mentor to you besides just a label owner? Oh, for sure, man. Er especially early in my career when I was trying to figure it out. Um, uh, where a lot of times it's sing like this, sing this song, sound like that, look like this. And Mike was really available. I don't know many record label presidents that are that way that would talk me through stuff, uh, whatever it might be to experiment and to, to learn how to, who you are, find your voice. What is it you sing about? Um, and their commitment is, I, I'm so grateful to be at a place that's more, that's like a family. Curb is technically an independent label. Yeah. That's kind of shocking, but um, it's a cool, cool place. If you're not, if you're autonomous and are disciplined, it's a great place to be. Right there on Music Row. And it was enough to earn you the Academy of Country Music Award for top yeah. new vocalist in 2006. New only took 10 years. Uh, exactly. Like Steve Jobs said, these overnight successes take years, right? Um, were those 10 difficult years? I, I heard a story about Alan Jackson and Firewood with you. Tell us yeah. that one. Dude, I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm still the same. I just, I believe in focus on what you're doing, that what you're doing right then. I, when I teach the kids, it's if you're building a wall, you start with one brick. You make sure that brick is right and level and where it should be. Then you move to the next brick and you work on that. You get that level and straight. You just keep doing that and stay focused on what you're doing and do it like you're doing it for the Lord to the best that you possibly can. Every little brick and eventually you've got a wall. You've got something that you've built on. And that's kind of how I am still when it comes to making music. So through that time, yeah, it was tough, but I mean, uh, you're healthy, you go work, you do whatever you got to do and Selling firewood was one of my many jobs through that time. Yeah. And to Alan Jackson, not a bad start if you're on Music Row, but yeah. Uh, so, the crazy thing, I was delivering firewood to him going into a Christmas. It was like November, December. And uh, I remember when I went, he was not there one time. He was at the CMA Awards. That's November, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, three, four months later, I was touring with him. That's wild. Uh, he's like, come up on the bus. And so we sat there and talked and uh, it was pretty surreal. Wow. That's like lightning striking, you know, like Steve McQueen, awful childhood, rose to the top of movie making, found Jesus before he died. Johnny Cash, top of country music and did it for the glory of God at the end of his career. Alan Jackson, does faith play a strong role in your adult lives now, both of you? A thousand percent. That's that's what lives are built on. Um, not easy sure. in this, in this business. Right. Mm, it, it matters. I mean, it's amazing to go out on the road and people, people notice. I try to be conscious of, of that. Um, when you've got people's time and they come up and they'll say, thanks for the, the, the message. I try to sneak it in. It's just like with watching you, you know, that's about, being human and making mistakes, but it's also about teaching your kid how to pray and how to recover from mistakes. Um, so yeah, every every day, every moment, every night, it's God's the center of our world. Yeah. 
Bubba Sparks, Dirty South Country, and you. <laughs> That's what I call fusion. Uh, how'd that mashup come about? Dude, he just hit me, man. Um, and said, let's, let's do this. I got a song. Would you want to jump in on it with me? And I did. And I remember, you remember when I, I got like that? that song. And I she just... was like, that chorus is awesome. It was... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's legit, man. Love, he's a good dude. Guy. Yeah. So Rose, who do you take inspiration from for your songs? I know Americana is a tough yeah. genre to label because that can be anything from Almond Brothers to your dad and Bon Jovi. How, yeah. how do you do it? I mean, you got a thousand songs, songs in the book. Yeah. For my songs, you know, I take inspiration from my life and real life mostly in the lives of my co-writers. But in terms of actual like artists, like who do I listen to? Um, I grew up on like Tom Petty, the Rolling Stones, Lucinda Williams is my like all time favorite artist. Um, Patty Griffin, Laurie McKenna are like songwriters I, you know, look up to and would aspire to be like. And I just like truth. I, I love documentary films. Like anything true, you know, is kind of my thing. I'm obsessed. Well, you said that earlier. That's funny. It's a different kind of truth, but I'm obsessed with truth in a way. Lovers of truth. That's who we have yeah. on the show only. Yeah. So Rod, she's a city girl from New York, not a farmer's daughter, which you wrote with Marv Green, Red Atkins, and uh, Ben Hayslip. Uh, Billy Falcon, not a farmer. Uh, <laughs> Faith Hill and Bon Jovi writer, yes, but not a right. farmer. Um, you write most of your own stuff, but this one, Farmer's Daughter, did you know it was special right away? That's one tune that I did not write. Um, uh, did Brett send me that song? I think he did. I have no idea, but it sounded like it was written for you, like specifically. Yeah. But yeah, when I got that song, I knew that was that was a hit. The crazy thing, man, that's that's one of the most popular songs has always been on the road, um, playing it live. That's one that wasn't a number one song. Number five on the U.S. Hot Country it's, Billboard, two times shocked. platinum it's, though, two million songs, which is about eight hundred dollars on Spotify. Yeah, it streams like a hit and it performs like a hit live, but it just didn't. Well, go people have one. people have number one songs that don't stream, you know. Right. Um, that's just one of those tunes. It's a it's an anthem. Uh, love singing it. People say that's my jam. It's one of those kind of songs. But yeah, I knew that was a a hit. Yeah, two times platinum is a lot, but like I said, about eight hundred dollars on Spotify, so it doesn't really you know help out. But <laughs> how do you pull off life on the road and being a family? Those two young boys seem like a handful. How do you do it? They are. Um, we so we go on the shorter trips, like for like for Rod and Rose, we all went, of course, when we did the Rod and Rose shows, we toured city wineries and intimate venues when it's Rodney shows, like we will go on the shorter runs, like two day runs and stuff like that. Now that we have two kids, it's just a lot harder than hmm. having one and having a baby is actually easier, believe it or not, because toddlers get restless, huh. but we really enjoy it. Like we are pretty low maintenance. We just like cram ourselves in the bus right now. We do it with the band. So it's us and the band. I'm sure the kids get on their nerves, but it is what it is. And we do our homeschool and we have a great time. We scout loves going to hotels, We're going to the hotel. Yeah. We, we kind of <laughs> tag in and out through the year. Um, with both boys, one, one of them will stay here while mama's going to work and 
doing her thing. And then one will come with me out on the road and we'll go and have our adventure. And then we come back up. And the next time we switch, we'll switch boys and they'll get, you know, good one-on-one time that way. And then we plan, we kind of try to strategize parts of the year that look like cool runs where we're going to be for a while. And we'll all come out. And I, but I, one thing I don't, some of these guys tour, man, they just stay going. They just stay going. They say that's the, the rock and roll way or something for months. I don't do that. I think the longest oh. is, is maybe two weeks. But not usually. Occasionally, that's rare. It's usually like four days and then home. I'm like, wow. home. That's that's a big difference. Yeah, that's and right. If we, now, if they come, then we're just out. We're weird, man. We like little hotel rooms buses like she says we we don't mind being trapped together at all so you don't you don't do the world tour anymore where you're in australia and then the philippines and that <laughs> type of no but i think like in the future that's something we like to do more like europe and stuff especially with the rod and rose stuff i think it would be conducive to some overseas touring rodney was supposed to go on a long this is going to be the longest he's ever been gone since we were married on a uso tour afe armed forces armed forces entertainment um was that six weeks it was a long time okay it felt like it was 16 days (laughs) it was 16 days (laughs) and it was right when everything kind of went crazy and so he was in cuba when i guess the worst i don't want to talk about something i don't really know a lot about but like we were going to educated enough to uh, speak on this but go ahead to the Middle East, we were going to Southeast Asia, all military bases, um, and they shut down any civilian travel to military bases over there. Oh, I mean, like two days before we were supposed to leave, we went from Guantanamo Bay, and we're leave. We were supposed to leave from there and go and be and do the two week run, and they shut it down. So we're now we're trying to plan a, a run next year. They're talking about it's possibly Europe next year, which that means they can go. We did Germany, actually, Germany. And- yeah, we did Germany. We went to Paris and we took Ryder. He was a baby. We did a military base, I guess, in Ramstein. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's a blast. It was awesome. We'll probably. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure the troops loved you guys. But um, so, Rose, you, you signed young. You didn't right. turn out like Charlie Sheen or River Phoenix who fell into all the trappings of fame and right. riches, drug, sex, rock and roll, died young, no family. That you know of. You could have. You were with Disney for a while early right. on. Could have been Christina Aguilera or Britney Spears dancing with knives on TikTok as an adult. How how'd you avoid the pitfalls of of fame and 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 music? It's wild when Rose tells me about all the people she was connected with. It was tough, but I was very um, adamant about who I almost like to a fault because I was so young that I was so confident and I was like, this is who I am. I mean, I'll give you an example that's kind of interesting, I guess. I don't think about this much, but I told Rodney the other night and I was like, that's weird. I met Beyonce's dad wanted to manage me and I had a meeting with him at a steakhouse in New York City and I should have been like really excited, right? Beyonce was super hot. It was uh, when she was in Destiny's Child. And he said basically that my artistry was not 
super important and that um (laughs) (laughs) and that I needed to get songs from other people and that it didn't really matter if I wrote my own songs or not and singing models yeah I cried but (laughs) because I was like 14 or 15 but I ultimately said well you know without being a songwriter I'm nothing because my voice I don't have the voice of Christina Aguilera or Carrie Underwood like I sing because I write music and so that's always been number one to me was just my poetry my my work I'm very um my dad was very artsy growing up and one of those creatives that like couldn't he's gotten so much better but he he just couldn't totally function like I used to like write checks and stuff and pay our bills not like to actually pay our bills but keep stuff in order for him so I was like kind of the responsible party in a lot of cases so I just wasn't I wasn't going to go off the rails. It just wasn't characteristic of who I was. Yeah. Well, thank God it worked out yeah. that way. So will we hear chart toppers from Elijah, Eli, Ryder, and Scout one day, the Atkins boys? Oh my gosh. Yes. Scout got to hang out with Bon Jovi the other day. They both did, but Scout, it was like such a big deal. And Scout literally in his mind, he is a rock star. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where he learned it. All right. Well, your song together, Put Me Back Together, Coke and Hennessy. Who the hell drinks that? We didn't write that song, but <laughs> we just love that song. No, it's a great song. And, yeah. and when I meet oh, y'all. Oh, you asked about Eli. Yeah, me, yeah. I got to say, that kid is crazy talented. He is. He surprised us both. He started yes. writing songs and making music, and it's it's amazing. It's Nothing like what I do, but it is. It's next level stuff. Right. I knew I had a feeling that you'd say that. That's great. That's great. Well, right. when I meet y'all, Coca-Cola and Hennessy on me. Um, you you two are amazing. An inspiration for love and fame and Americana from right here in Tennessee. Uh, this is the Mill Creek View, Tennessee. So I'm thrilled to have you on here. Um, you have a song for us today. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us how you came up with it, and then I'll shut up and, and let you do your thing. I'm going to get the guitar, so I'll talk for a second. Um, okay. So we wrote this song with our buddy Brandon Hood, and Brandon produced it. It's called Mary Had a Little Lamb. And when we were trying to write it, it's like it's about the birth of Christ, and we consider that you know the most important thing in our lives, but also the most important thing at Christmas. And it was hard to write because there's just not a lot of information about the birth of Christ. And it's one of my favorite songs I've ever been a part of. And we performed it on Fox and friends. And I think that was our first time performing it live. And it was in New York. The tree had just gotten burnt down like their Christmas tree that they had out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. They had us perform outside in front of that tree. And I like knew that when we performed it, I was like, I was nervous, you know? And I was like, I think that went well. And so that was it. We left and we're just standing in Times Square and I get a call from our manager at the time. And he said, how does it feel to have the number one song in the country? And it had gone to number one on iTunes and it sat there above the Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas, which just <laughs> does not move on that chart for, for the holiday season. And it was there for a good while. And we were just blown away, like by the fans and the people out there that connected with this song. I mean, that was one of the coolest moments that I can remember is just being in Times Square and knowing that something we did together had an impact. 
it, it, it's crazy. I know folks think, well, you guys are professional. You put music out all the time and you got the labels promoting it and all that. Not necessarily. No, there was no promotion. There was nothing about that. We were just praying that folks could hear it and be blessed by the song. There was nothing. And it just happened that we played the song and the people, I, I know the reason I get to do this for a living is it's the people in the real world out there. Um, that was an amazing experience for that. Yeah. All right. Lay it on us. All right. Let me get my guitar. Those guitars so have names? Live, huh? We're live. They, they match. Do those guitars have names? <laughs> oh, not yet. This one's new. Does, okay. yours, does yours have a name? The name? No, it's just a J. They're both Everly Brothers, I think, right? The pick guard, the double pick guard. Yeah. That's who made it famous, I think. So, Mine too. Oh, Lord. We must be in the different, two different. Oh, no, wait, I'm the wrong key. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm in the right key. He's in the wrong key for the right key. Yeah. Ready, Mom? I think as ready as I'll ever be. Right. Here we go. Did you need to change the microphone on the computer? Sorry to interrupt. But... No, is it sounding weird? No, it'll be great. It'll be great. Go for it. I can try to change it. All we right. didn't switch it back. It does say original sound for musicians is off, so I may need to change that. There, now it's on. Tell yeah, me if I it sounds it weird. We'll just do a little playing. test here. That turns on and off. Okay. All right, cool. no room, only a manger, nothing but hay for a bed, it's where she laid down his head, no sleigh bells ringing, no decorations, just a mother and child, so tender and mild, that holy They wear a crown of thorns Where redeemed cause he was born That holy night in Bethlehem All the angels sang Mary had a little lamb And Jesus Oh uh -huh. 
I'm crying. I'm crying. Thank you. <laughs> now, there, there's, there's, there's the there's echo, the echo back, back again. again. Well, thank you so much for. Oh, yeah. Switch, stay, stay. switch the echo off. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. There you go. All right. Rod and Rose, Rose and Rod, thank you for blessing us with your song. I'm crying too. We love you too oh, so much. Thank um, you so much for having us. Merry we're Christmas. at the end. Thank you. Please tell our listeners where they can see and hear oh. you and follow your social media, which everyone knows already. But yeah, just I'm big on, we're here to help. <laughs> I'm big on Instagram. So like I'm just Rose Falcon. He's just Rodney Atkins. And uh, that's where I mainly hang out. But like we have a TikTok called the Atkins Fam where we kind of do silly stuff and our but our socials are just under our names, all mm -hmm. of our socials. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and thanks Rodney. again for coming on with us and taking the time. Merry Christmas to you and the whole family. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. Look Merry forward Christmas. to seeing you. Love y'all. Bye. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard, dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof, look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com I don't Yeah. Welcome to the, sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show where we cover what we just heard. Oh boy, did we hear something special there. Producer Steve, what'd you think of our guests, Rodney Atkins and Rose Falcon? I still can't believe it. Wow. Uh, wow, Steve. Um, I had a buddy in why they were on there. Just let him know I was crying over here. Um, I'm a songwriter. Haven't written for years other than on my computer, but boy, when you were talking, I was like, oh, I wish I was in on this conversation. Thank you so much, Steve. I need well, people like that. Hopefully I covered all your questions that you need. Yes. We only have so much time on the show. Are <laughs> we live, by the way? Yeah. Okay, good. Well, WNG.org is world, and Andy T. Walker wrote in the Faith and Religion section on 12-21-23 today. We are timely on this show. World's tagline is sound journalism grounded in facts and biblical truth. How cool is that? Wouldn't it be nice if they all were like Mill Creek View and World at the New York Times and Washington Compost? Compost, ethics, yes. <laughs> ethics must adjourn our doctrine. I'm sorry. Ethics must adorn our doctrine. Separating doctrine from ethics is the pathway to theological liberalism. 
Christianity is the in the West is facing a theological crisis. This crisis represents nothing less than the integrity of the gospel in Western Christendom. This crisis is this, the severing of Christian doctrine from Christian ethics. In recent months, we have seen this error surface within both Protestant evangelicalism and Roman Catholicism. This fall, popular Atlanta megachurch pastor Anley Stanley hosted a conference and sermons in defense of the conference that amounted to the plausibility of gay Christianity. I put it in its simplest form. Stanley postured that while the official teaching of his church had not changed and that the Bible indeed condemned homosexual behavior, it is simply unrealistic to foist upon homosexuals the insurmountable burden of sexual chastity. So Stanley suggests the church should refrain from making demands of individuals that our libidinous culture understands is simply impossible to obey. Then just this week, Pope Francis shocked no one by taking his drift toward moderation and compromise even further by giving official Vatican approval for giving priestly blessings of persons in a same-sex relationship. Being too clever by half, Pope Francis is technically affirming the Roman Catholic magisterium's teaching on marriage, but indifferentiating the blessing of persons from the blessing of the relationship itself. It's a distinction without a difference for anyone with the intellectual honesty to say this out loud. Producer Steve, have you ever given this any thought? Oh, um, yeah. And I can just tell you, if you know a little bit about Andy Stanley, if you look at actually his father, and I'm going to go back to this, I think he's that way. His mother divorced his father. Well, Stanley's big Stanley, still on the uh, on the radio, big ministry. He was more involved, more important. His his ministry was more important than his marriage, is what I get from that. And when that comes into place, and you see a divorce, that fractures that son. Now we're seeing the outcome of this. That's why I believe Andy Stanley is doing what he's doing. Do I condone it? Not at all. Do I condone that lifestyle? Not at all. Bible's Bible. Facts are facts. But if I did a little research, I was like, why is he doing this? And I went back and I went, oh, my goodness. So, folks, sometimes we don't know the backstory of why people do what they do. But, yes, much of Christianity, the whole LGBT flag, all this stuff that's over people and uh, the Southern Gospel, the CRT and all this stuff, uh, Southern Baptist Convention. Dude, it it's massive. We saw okay. how many people bowed, how many went along with the whole, you got to forgive forgive your forefathers. I was like, I don't have anything to do with my forefathers, neither do you, Steve, but that really circulated through. And then the LGBT, so yeah, facts from um, doctrine uh, and actions. Okay. Back to the article. In both instances with Stanley and Pope Francis, pastoral accommodation for irregular unions plows through clear biblical teaching. Biblical authority gives way to individual autonomy. Sexual purity gives way to the lust of the flesh. To put this in the terms of an ethics professor, it is the severing of biblical doctrine, what we believe, from biblical ethics, how we act. Such a division is a false dichotomy that biblical and historical Christianity know nothing of. Protestants and Roman Catholics everywhere should understand the significant departure from biblical and historical Christianity that Andy Stanley's and Pope Francis's moves represent. 
pastoral accommodation at the expense of both biblical clarity and biblical ethics in order to appease sinful desires all in the name of a faux compassion is unloving and schismatic. But we should understand the severing at even a deeper level. Both episodes involving Stanley and Francis are not only a severing of doctrine from ethics, but a denial of the very power of the gospel at its root. Amen. We should be clear-eyed about this. No Christian perfectly obeys, and I am a sinner. You are a sinner. But the gospel presents the sinner's condition in the past tense, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, 1 Corinthians 6.11. The message sent from the Pope and from Stanley treats Christians' discipleship as unrealistic and unattainable or as burdensome and constrictive of human flourishing. This is biblical and pastoral malpractice of the highest order. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, because it talks about that. I was just thinking about a, 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 a passage in the Scripture that says, give no, way for, give no uh, opportunity for the flesh. And what he's saying, Paul says that in multiple places, is if you give opportunity to the flesh, you're going to go down that rat hole. And it says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It, we're not talking about struggling, falling, getting back up, moving forward, and, 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 and moving towards the cross. What Andy Stanley, what the Pope, what others are teaching is, you don't have to fight that inclination. You just accept it, indulge in it, live in it, and then you're okay with God. And it's like, uh, well, can we do that with with anything else? No, that we, we wouldn't want to do that. So totally out of context. Back to Andy T. Walker. In one of the first lectures of my ethics class, I give a small lecture on the relationship between the gospel and ethics. I do this because I do not want my students leaving my ethics class left with mere answers to all the pressing cultural crises facing their future ministries. I want them to understand that the gospel's intelligibility is on the line when it comes to ethics, not only our obedience, but the very source of where that obedience comes from, the Spirit of God. I go to Titus to make my case. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works, Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the Apostle Paul and for each of us today, our obedience or our ethics, if you want to use that term, adorns the doctrine that we believe is true, Titus 2, 10. The Bible views ethical obedience as the logical outworking of the gospels taking root in our life. Our discipleship, our obedience, and our daily devotion to Christ is meant to bear witness to what Christ has done for us and in us today. We are called to obedience and given the power of the obedience because of the gospel. You agree with that? Yeah, it, it just he the one uh, it says uh, in verse 15 in that whole section says, These then are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. In other words, when somebody is trapped in sin, you go to that brother and you help them and you rebuke them if, if need be. You don't go, oh, brother, indulge in your sin. Indulge in your rebellion. 
because God just loves everything about you. That's not, not what the, the scriptures not, teach. Never not the sin. Yeah, they love the sin or not the sin. The pro and let's finish the article up. The problem with the recent moves by Pope Francis and Andy Stanley is not that such an approach is inclusive or compassionate. It is that it actually ends up forsaking the very thing both pur both purportedly are supposed to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. When religious leaders give sanction to sin, they supplant the need for a redeemer only to leave us dead in our transgressions. There are the battle. These are the battlegrounds of the new liberalism, which calls for revising Christian doctrine to placate the spirit of the age. What is new is merely the font. I'm sorry, is the form that this liberalism is taking the disastrous separation of doctrine and ethics. Andrew T. Walker. Andrew is the managing editor of World Opinions and serves as associate professor of Christian ethics at the Southern Baptist Theology Seminary. He is also a fellow with the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He resides with his family in Louisville, Kentucky. All right. Following up on yesterday's segment on Linus Van Pelt, the Jewish kid from the Peanuts gang, second baseman, just drop the blanket the moment you never noticed in a Charlie Brown Christmas by Jason Sarosky, crosswalk.com. This week, a Charlie Brown Christmas aired on national primetime television for the 50th time in a world where the latest, greatest technology is outdated in a matter of months and social media trends come and go in a matter of days, 50 years of anything becomes quite meaningful. I'm a fan of all things nostalgic and all things Christmas. And so when the two are combined, I am hooked and the Charlie Brown Christmas special falls squarely into that category. I was in the first grade back when they still performed Christmas pageants in schools less than 50 years, but still a very long time ago. And our class performed a version of the Charlie Brown Christmas. Since I was kind of a bookworm and already had a blue blanket, I was chosen to play the part of Linus. As Linus, I mesmerized Luke 2, 8 through 14, and that scripture has been hidden in my heart ever since. But while working so diligently to learn those lines, there is one important thing I didn't notice then and didn't notice until now. Right in the middle of speaking, Linus drops the blanket. Charlie Brown is best known for his unique striped shirt, and Linus is most associated with his ever-present security blanket. Throughout the story of Peanuts, Lucy, Snoopy, Sally, and others all work to no avail to separate Linus from his blanket. And even though his security blanket remains a major source of ridicule for the otherwise mature and thoughtful Linus, he simply refuses to give it up until this moment when he simply drops it. In that climatic scene when Linus shares what Christmas is all about, he drops his security blanket, and I am now convinced that this is intentional. Most telling is the specific moment he drops it, when he utters the words, fear not. Looking at it now, <clears throat> I'm going to cry twice in one show. Looking at it now, it is pretty clear what Charles Schultz was saying, and it's so simple, it's brilliant. The birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from the habits we are unable or unwilling to break ourselves. The birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop the false security we have been grasping so tightly and learn to trust and cling to him instead. This world can be a scary place, and most of us find ourselves grasping to something temporal for security, whether that thing may be, whatever that thing may be. Essentially, ours is a world in which it is very difficult for us to fear not. But in the midst of fear and insecurity, the simple cartoon image from 1965 continues to live on as an inspiration for us to seek true peace and true security in the one place it has always been and can always still be found. Wow. As a writer and musician, J. 
Jason Sorowski strives to communicate in a way that is insightful, meaningful, relevant, and mindful of the small things that we may otherwise overlook in our everyday lives. He effectively taps into his experience as a worship pastor, classroom teacher, husband, and homeschooling father of five to relate poignant stories from real life experiences. Jason holds an MED from Missouri Baptist University, has been featured in various print and web publications, and currently resides in Houston, Texas. You know, I want to one quick comment. Better hurry because we're running out of time. The whole Christmas story is a story of we need to be redeemed. And if you say we have no sin, we make God a liar, but we do, and that's why the Savior was sent. And God can't lie. Hey, everybody, I'm John Schneider, and I am right here on the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. Welcome to my quotes for the day, but before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View Podcast. Just go to Rumble or Spotify or iTunes. I really hope you like it, and check us out at Twitter at Mill Creek View, nearing 1,000 followers because I'm hilarious, I guess, 943 to be exact. Please help me get to 1,000 by New Year's Eve. Uh, Twitter jail was very good for us, and of course, the always interesting guests and lovers of truth. See Facebook, Truth Sells. If you're going through hell, keep on going. Don't slow down. If you're scared, don't show it. You might get out before the devil even knows you're there. Rodney Atkins. I've never really focused on if I had good habits when I sang or if I had bad habits or if I was breathing correctly. So I started doing vocal exercises and would stretch out before I sang. Stuff to help me breathing. It's funny. You breathe your whole life, then you find out you're not doing it correctly. Rodney Atkins. I could be on 52nd and 3rd in Manhattan up and ask a stranger for directions and they will help you. That's a rural heart. Your car breaks down in the middle of Iowa or somewhere or Tennessee where I'm from. People want to help each other. Given each opportunity, you see how people come together. I forgot how good I've got it sometimes, how lucky I am just to be alive. And I pass good prayer to the man upstairs just to thank him like I should. Yeah, you know, I get it. I've got it good. Rodney Atkins. How could anybody cry, wish that I could have said goodbye? If I could see her again, she would be my friend, my best friend. All I have is photographs, put on her wedding ring, put in a tape of lullabies, the one she used to sing to me, Don't Cry Baby, Rose Falcon, but that's about her mom, best friend, 2003. That's it for this episode and this year, y'all. My second year in Tennessee, our 163rd episode for the Tennessee edition. And what a magical show it was, in my opinion. All about love, family, and a little about fame. Doesn't get any better than that. 15 episodes for the CEO special this year. Check them out on YouTube and Instagram. 43 in Washington with Vincent. I bless him in the You can see those on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts and Rumble video. I really hope you like that too. We do it for you. Please subscribe, like, comment, and spread it around. We grow because of you too. Thank you, Rose Falcon. Thank you, Billy Falcon, for having her and blessing this world with her. And thank you, Rodney Atkins. Keep telling those true stories in your songs. Bless Scout and Ryder and Elijah. You're being hearing songs from them. I, I know in the future we'll be hearing that. Um, we are taking next week off to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So until next time, uh, January 2nd, to be precise, God willing, and the Mill Creek don't rise, 
This is your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of mcview.us. See you in the new year, uh, an election year, so we'll have plenty of content as always. Peace in our time. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and always, always, always glory to God most high. God bless you, producer Steve. Take us home with Rod and Rose and do download the EP, and I'll see you soon. There's a smoke ring halo over your head. Will you stop on green and go on red? You say the dirtiest things and the prettiest draw. You ain't scared to jump, but you're afraid to fall. You keep me beautifully Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.